Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. It's lovely to see you. I always feel when I put this on like an aerobics instructor. I want to do grapevine. Is that this one? Anyone know those? We might do that at the end if I run out of things to say. <laughs> My wife used to do it, that's why. Well, here we are. Um, feels like a while since I've been up here. Um, and uh, earlier this week, uh, I was asking the Lord what uh, he wanted me to speak on. And um, uh, I, I saw and heard the phrase, um, expect the unexpected. And at the same time, uh, as I did, I felt... Um, do you, I don't know if you, get, if, you, if you can relate to this, but sometimes I see and hear things and also get a feeling or an understanding of some other things at the same time. I don't know if you relate to that some, sometimes, sometimes how God speaks to me. Um, and I felt him specifically saying um, about expecting the unexpected in the sense of dreams that have been asleep or have been on hold or that have been crushed coming to life. And uh, what I felt is for us as a people and for us as individuals as well, we are entering a season of dreams coming to life. And I feel there's going to be an acceleration of what God's doing. And things that have been dormant for a long time or even on the back burner or even that have been despaired of, I believe we're entering a season when they're going to come to life. Now, whenever you bring a message like that, you, I want to be wise about it as well because I also know what it's like when you hear that sort of word and you are in the place where your dreams are dead. And I know how hard that can feel. So I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to kind of twist and, and make that difficult for you if you're in that place. But I want to bring some faith about what God can do. You know, Peter referred earlier to Joseph, didn't he, when Joseph was in prison. And, and Joseph had had dreams, and, and it had all gone quite well. Well, actually, it went badly, and then it went quite well. You know, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. Bad. Uh, then he sort of became uh, popular in Potiphar's house. That seemed good. But then he was accused falsely of, of rape of, his, of Potiphar's wife and went into prison. And while he was in prison, I, I wonder what he thought of his dreams. And, and particularly when he got to the point where the two guys who were with him had dreams, didn't they? And he interpreted them, and they both got out. And he was there. And you can think, hang on, you got the blessing that I wanted. He, I bet he wanted to be out of prison, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I bet he didn't want to be there. And, and so to see the other guys go, all right, some one of them got killed, which isn't so good for him. But, but, um, <laughs> but, they, <laughs> but let's just leave that small detail for the moment. But, but they both got out. And I'm, I'm sure that there was in Joseph that thing, what well, I wanted that. That person got the blessing that I wanted. Uh, and yet we can see, because we, we have the benefit of being able to read the story from the end, and we're not in the middle of it as Joseph was. You know, sometimes you read like, when, when for example, um, uh, it was Jacob, wasn't it, who worked for Laban, for his daughter. And uh, he worked seven years for his daughter, uh, for Rachel. Uh, and when he got married, he found out actually he'd been tricked and it was Leah. Uh, which is presumably because you wore veils and stuff, I guess, because otherwise you'd have thought he might have realised. Uh, and, so, and, then, and then so Laban said to him, well, you've got to work another seven years. And, you know, that covers about that much in your Bible. And that's 14 years he worked for Laban. And, you, and it's easy when you're not in that situation to just gloss over that, oh, that's just 14 years. But in my life, 14 years feels like a long time. And I love it. You know, in Peter it says that uh, with the Lord... Uh, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And we all love it when God does something that you think, wow, 
that could have taken a thousand years, and he's done it like that. Um, but how many of us also, sometimes there's something that you wanted to take a day, and it seems to be taking a thousand years. And those are the times when, particularly when, when there's a word coming about dreams being fulfilled and, and so on. I don't want to make a hope deferred makes a heart sick thing, but I do want to open up some wisdom about how we deal with this sort of season, because I do want to declare it over us. I do believe we are entering, as a people, I declare it to the heavenlyers, I declare it to us, that we are entering a season when dreams that have been on hold are going to be released and fulfilled beyond our wildest dreams in many cases. So um, I wanted to look at a scripture to uh, pick out some things around this. So let's have a look at uh, John 21. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to it. John 21 and verse 1. Okay, so this is uh, after Jesus had been crucified. Um, he had uh, appeared to Mary Magdalene in the garden. Uh, he'd appeared to uh, the disciples, and I think it was when uh, Thomas wasn't there. Do you remember the story? Thomas says, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. So he'd, he'd, there'd been a sort of a, an appearance. And then, and then the disciples kind of carried on. And, uh, and so they're not kind of... The ascension hasn't happened, that kind of thing. So uh, John 21, verse 1. So afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's another name for the Sea of Galilee, by the way. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. Now, I love details. I like that. I, don't, I, I wonder if there's some significance about that number. I don't know, but um, it's just interesting that it's so detailed. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm going to stop there. I don't mean I'm going to stop there permanently. I'm just stopping reading. Okay. So, um, here they are. They're kind of, they don't really know what they're doing, the disciples at the moment. So, Jesus is kind of off the scene now. And although he's appeared to them, which must have been really exciting, now he's, he's not there again. 
And so what, what do they do? Well, I think they go back to what they knew. So Peter was a fisherman before Jesus called him. And, uh, and so what do you do then? He wasn't, and the reason he was fishing, it doesn't look like he was just going to get some dinner, does it? He, he was using proper nets, so he was, he was trying to get a proper catch and presumably to return to his business, um, which suggests some loss of hope. And, uh, and if you think, I don't know if, you, if you're aware, that there was another occasion when there was a miraculous catch of fish. You know, it's back in Luke 5. And, uh, uh, and on that occasion, Jesus says to Peter, he says, look, you can leave all this and come with me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and I wonder if at this point, whether what Peter felt about that, that word over his life, I wonder if he thought, well, maybe that's been fulfilled in the, ministry, you know, in the earthly ministry of Jesus. You know, I've been, I've been with Jesus. I've seen people healed. I've been, seen people coming and believing in him. I've seen lepers cleansed. I've seen... Uh, I've seen the dead raised. Uh, I've seen the transfiguration on the mountain of glory. And, um, and, but I wonder if Peter, you know, sometimes when you get a promise and, and you can see, well, that has been fulfilled in a way, and then it stops, you can think, well, maybe that was, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the promise. And I, I just want to kind of pick up on that because I, I believe that sometimes God gives us a word which operates on different kind of levels. Um, and there's a kind of one fulfillment, and then there's a greater or deeper fulfillment. And so some examples of that would be, um, well, a, a biblical example would be uh, the case of Ahaz. So in uh, Isaiah 7, um, Isaiah goes to Ahaz. The, the, the Judah are being besieged by two armies. I think it's uh, uh, the Arameans or Aram and uh, the Ephraimites were besieging Judah. And so um, Isaiah goes to Ahaz, the king, and he says, look, it's going to be okay. And just as proof, you can ask for any sign you want. And so Ahaz says, well, I'm not going to do that. I don't think it's good. No, he said, come on, ask for a sign. And Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to test God, which sounds really good. But Isaiah got cross and said, look, look don't test God. I want to give you a sign. This is going to be the sign. The virgin will be with child, and he will, you know, you'll call him Emmanuel, etc." Now, that promise, as we all know, was also a messianic promise. It was about the fulfillment ultimately was in Christ. The virgin shall be with child. But the fact that it was a promise to Ahaz that he was going to be delivered also means there must have been some sort of fulfillment in that time that, that, that he must have known a girl who was a virgin who must have been with child thereafter. I'm not suggesting there was another um, um, Holy Spirit-inspired conception as there was with Mary. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there was a fulfillment of that word in his time, and there was also a great fulfillment. If you read the whole of Hebrews, a lot of it is about, well, these things in the tabernacle, there was very specific design and detail, and the reason is that's because there's a reflection of what's in heaven. There's a greater thing. These are just the shadow. And so in our own lives as well, sometimes you might, you know, you might be called to be uh, a teacher, for example, you know, you teach in schools. And, but actually, there's a deeper calling for you where God is saying, actually, I'm calling you also to teach my people the Bible, for example. You know, sometimes there are just fulfillments on different levels. And, uh, and I think, so for Peter, he might have been saying, feeling, well, do you know what? I, I wonder if that's being fulfilled uh, in the earthly ministry of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, if you have dreams where you think, mm, was that it? That didn't, when, I, when that word came to me, it didn't feel like that, oh, that's been fulfilled yet. And yet, it looks like it's dead. And I just want to encourage you, if that's the case, there's life for those sorts of dreams as well. Um.
So um, I'm going to fish, Simon Peter said to them, we'll go with you. Uh, So they went back, got into the boat, uh, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. Why not? Doesn't Doesn't that seem bizarre to you? Why would Jesus not have gone, guys, it's me, hello, it's Jesus. Why would he not have done that? And why would they not have known him? I mean, they lived with him, ate, lived and breathed and, and slept in the same barns and that sort of thing with him for three and a half years of his earthly ministry. How on earth could it be? It says they're only 100 yards out. How could they not know it was him? How could they not recognize his voice? And, and if you look at Luke 24, that you've got the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Um, Emmaus is a little village about seven miles outside Jerusalem. So the disciples on the, I think it's actually on the Monday of Jesus' resurrection, these guys hadn't seen him. One of the disciples was called Cleopas, the other one we don't know the name, or Clopas, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, They're walking along the road, and it says that Jesus came and stood with them, but they didn't recognize him. In fact, I think in the NIV it says they were kept from recognizing him. So it's almost as if there's a supernatural thing. You think, why? Why? Would you be kept from recognizing him? And then it says, that, and he talked to them, he opened up the scriptures, talked about himself on the road, all the way to Emmaus. Then finally they invited him in. Uh, then he broke bread. And then it says their eyes were opened and they saw who it was. And then he disappeared from their sight. And again, I, I, I've thought to myself, I wonder what, why is it they had such a problem recognizing the one that they loved so much? And I have a theory for, for this, which I'm going to tell you. You don't have to buy it. Um, what I believe is they had lived with Jesus, and they had known the physicalness of Jesus. If you read in 1 John 1, right at the beginning, John, the same disciple John, um, uh, he, he says, that which we have beheld, that which we have heard with our ears, that which we have touched with our hands. So so the the experience they had of Jesus was they knew him in the physical sense of, I know you, I know what you look like, I know, I want to say, I know what you smell like in John's case. He rested his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. They were that close. He must have known that. And yet now, with the, the death and resurrection of Jesus and the ascension, they were now going to have to know Jesus through another way. And if you look at what happens in, in that account of the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, when, when they suddenly realize it's Jesus, they say this. They say, were our hearts not burning within us when we heard him speaking on the road about the scriptures and talking to us? Were our hearts not burning within us? And I think what was happening, God was allowing there to be a transition from you're no longer going to see him with your eyes. I don't want you to rely on that, but it's going to be the burning in your heart that when the presence of God is with you, you're going to feel it in here and you're going to know it through faith and through the awesomeness of the presence of the one that loves you. And so I believe that on the road to Emmaus, that was what was happening. God was keeping it from them. So because what he wanted them to learn was even when I don't see you physically and I can't touch you with my hand, I can know your presence is with me because I can feel the burning in my heart of your presence. And... um, 
And the road to Emmaus, I think, is a great picture because they had lost hope, basically. They said, you know, if you read the account, I haven't really got time to go into it, but, but in the account they say something along the lines of, you know, we had hoped that, that Jesus was going to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. You know, their hope was him, and he was literally, he, he died. So their hope was dead. There was nothing kind of uh, physically that they could see that brought them hope. They had lost hope. And again, I just think when, I don't know if you've ever been through those sorts of situations. I have. There are times when you just feel that, you, feel, you can feel a distance. You can feel these situations are not lining up with what I would say is the blessing of God. This is hard. This is hard, and it's been hard for a long, long time, and it doesn't look like it's going to change. And in those situations, the only thing I know that can bring me the hope and the peace is I can feel the presence of God burning in my bones, and I can hear the voice of my lover saying, I'm your beloved, and my desire is for you. Or quoting Song of Solomon 7.10 correctly, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And it's that voice of hearing God say that that I think sustains through the Emmaus Road experiences when you just think, I don't have any other hope. I can't see anything out there that I'm, I can cling on to and say, that's really great. Now, it's fantastic when we go through great stuff. I love going through great stuff. Um, give me more great stuff, Lord. Uh, but at the times when it doesn't seem to be going so great, in the prison experience, when the other guys have been released, and the guy who said he'd tell, tell fair about you and get you released had forgotten about you, and you're in there for another goodness knows how many years. When you're in that place, the only thing I know of how to be sustained is I'm my beloved and his desire is for me. Um, it's the heart burning with us. So, so the disciples then... Are, there they are. They don't recognize Jesus. But for some reason, in, in the NIV, it says, friends, have, have you not caught any fish? Uh, I think the actual Greek is children. So you can imagine some burly fishermen out there, and some guy on the beach goes, children, have you not caught any fish? Uh, put your, your net down the other side. And I don't know many fishermen, but I've got a feeling some of them would just go, What? get stuffed um because I, it's not the sort of i don't know it's just a bizarre thing isn't it if they didn't I, obviously if they knew it was jesus i can understand why they would do it but they didn't realize it was jesus so why there must have been something about the voice it's almost as if there was a cloudiness in their seeing who it was but there was just a compulsion about the voice because they sort of knew it but didn't realize who it was and so that's when they moved their nets over and that's when they caught the huge catch and presumably it reminded them of the previous time and, uh, and, um, and then, so that's when, uh, John, uh, when the disciple Jesus loved John uh, said, it's the Lord. Um, uh, where are we? So, friends, uh, have you not caught any fish? So, so, they, uh, so he said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when he did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. And this is what I'm saying about what I feel this season is like. I feel it's just one of those times when we're going to hear the call of God again, maybe in ways that you've heard previously. And, you know, I think it was Einstein who's attributed as saying that the definition of insanity 
is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, well, there they are with their net down here, and some guy over there says, put your net on that side. And it's not, look, let's be honest, it's not that different, is it? So they put it on the other side. And there is, an ins there is a certain amount of insanity about actually doing that and expecting it to be different if, we, if we're dealing with natural stuff. But we're not. We're dealing with the supernatural. And God, I think God just delights to, to do things like that. So it's fantastic to hear Leo's testimony earlier about her job. And... Um, and I, and I feel there's going to be more and more of that sprouting out. I think we're going to have more and more testimony of people saying, do you know, I tried that 15 times. And then I was just reading the paper, and I saw this, and I thought, I'll do one more time. And I, I, I believe that's where the things are going to be opened up to us. I think there's going to be a lot more of that. That's the season I believe we're in, and also as a whole church body as well. I believe that things that have been spoken over us and things that have been prophesied over us, destiny stuff, I believe is going to be fulfilled in larger ways um, in this coming time. Um, so. Just a word of caution on that one there. So I think... So I think... Um, there's a, it's, I think it's important in these things to hear the voice of the Spirit, isn't it? Because you, you, otherwise there's a danger of going into striving okay, I've heard it's a season for these things, therefore I'm going to do this and expect that result. And, and I, I think God loves it when we're tenacious and when we hear somebody over there being blessed and we say, right, that, I'll have that as well. I want that testimony. Come on, Jesus, give it to me. And I think God loves that. But I also think there's... Um, I think we, there needs to be an engaging with the Holy Spirit in the steps that we take, doesn't there? So if I'm applying for a new job, for example, I, I wouldn't do that just out of a sense of, well, I need a new job, bang, let's apply. I'd, I'd want to do that, in, and I'd expect to get a sense of God leading me um, in that. Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? So I, I, just want, I just want to encourage us not to strive and not to do stuff out of what God's saying, just because it, it's a season for dreams to be fulfilled, but God has particular ways in which to fulfill things sometimes. And it's sometimes, it's sometimes because it's just not the obvious way, you know, I reckon if Peter and the guys had thought, you know, an hour before they saw Jesus, you know, the, the, the net's out on this side. Uh, we haven't caught anything. Let's put it out that side. I don't think they'd have caught the fish. I think the reason they caught the fish is because they were responding to the voice uh, of, the, of the Lord. And, uh, and I just think that's that we, we need to be really operating on that level. Um, yeah. So, uh, so verse 7 then. Uh, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is typically taken to be John, as I said earlier, I don't want to get into all that about whether it's John or not, but I take it to be John, uh, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Uh, and as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Uh, the other disciples followed in the boat. So Peter having suddenly realized it was Jesus, he just didn't care about the fish anymore. You know, the whole thing he's been up all night trying to get, suddenly he's, he's been given the gift, if you like. He's been given the blessing, although I really want to get away from the idea that blessing is only kind of like the physical things that we can see because you can be blessed without any of that. Um, but it, but he'd, he'd seen a manifestation, a physical manifestation of the blessing, if you like, but he wasn't interested in that. He was only interested in the blesser. He was only interested... 
because he saw Jesus. And, and I guess, again, I'm just wanting to say, as we come into these things, and this is kind of Christianity 101, you know, it really, this, is the, this is the basics, and, and so I hope I'm not insulting your uh, intellectual spirituality by saying it, but, but the important, it's so important when we receive and when a door opens up that we just remember that the, it's not about the blessing ultimately. That's out of the nature of God and who he is and his desire to demonstrate his kingdom. The main thing is I just keep my eyes on him. Um, and it's actually, it's really interesting. I think sometimes, you know, Ruth and I have been, my wife Ruth and I, there have been times in our marriage when we've been through some tight, quite tight financial times. You know, and in those times there's a need to rely on God in a way that when you get more, you know, you get a pay rise, you get more money, suddenly there's not, it feels like there's not such a need. Even though I know, of course, that every bit, that everything that I get is from God. Every good gift comes down from above. I know that. And yet, if I don't have to be actively seeking God, if I'm not praying daily for my daily bread, I can take that for granted. And, and I think, yeah, just as I feel that people, I feel that some ministries are going to be opening up for people here. And, and again, for us as a church, and I just think it's so important, let's keep our eyes on him and, uh, and let's keep camping around the presence, uh, as the guys at Bethel say. Um, that's where we want to be, because ultimately it's about that. Like, you know, if I've got a choice of one or the other, I'll, I'd rather the presence and, and I'll forget the fish. don't really like fish that much anyway. <laughs> okay, where have we got to? Okay, so about, uh, it's about verse 8 then. D- the other disciples followed in the boat, uh, I'm trouble focusing, uh, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Again, I like the details. Um, apparently that's 200 cubits. Um, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. So there's already some fish there. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just brought. That's more bizarreness, isn't it, really? So, so there's already some fish. And Jesus says, well, now I want you to go and get some of your fish, which is the fish that I've given you supernaturally anyway. Why did he do why, why? Why, did he, why didn't he just say, why didn't he just dispense with all of that, say, hello, it's Jesus, come over here, I've got some fish cooking for you. Um, so what is it? There, when I read things like this, I think there's got to be some truth to unlock. And I, and I feel in a way there's a, just a picture in here of what ministry and service is to God and how it, how it kind of works. Because Jesus is saying, look, come and join with me. Come and join in the stuff that I'm doing. At the moment, I'm having breakfast. Later, I'll be doing something else. Come and join me in that as well. But at the moment, I'm having breakfast. Come and join me. And what I'm going to do, look, I'm going to give you stuff I give you gifts. I love giving you things. I love giving you ministry. I love giving you uh, gifts to operate uh, both in kind of, if you like, a spiritual sense. But um, although I, I wouldn't make a distinction, you know what I mean. Now I'm talking about spiritual gifts, but there are other gifts. Like he might give us gifts in the workplace, gifts to relate to people, gifts of hospitality, gifts of understanding and bringing people together. There are all sorts of things that God gives. Um, and what he says is, right, you come and, now you come and be with me uh, but I want you to bring with you the bit that you've got. Okay? Because the co-working with Jesus, I, th- I think this really helps us in an understanding of how that works. So when we operate 
in a gift that God has given us, it's not your gift. It's the gift that he's given you. But at the same time, it needs something from him as well, which is bringing the extra supernatural element. Do you know what I mean? There's, it's almost as if there is a co-working with the Holy Spirit, which means that we bring what we've got, but don't forget he's the one who gave it all to you anyway. And we join it with what he's got, and that's how, I be- how ministry works. And I think the reason that's important... Did that make sense, by the way? Does that explanation make sense? Because the reason that's important is because one thing that kills my... Maybe I'm overstating it. One thing that significantly impacts my walk with God and my effectiveness is pride. And if I forget the fact, if I think when I bring a gift in whatever way it is, or if I open a ministry, or if I open a cafe, or a restaurant, or I do this in my business, or I get a promotion, and if I start thinking that's all about me, then I think there's a danger of going into pride, isn't there? And I just think there's a reminder in this that actually I I want to remember that all that I have is just from him anyway. It's all the 153 fish uh, that he's already given me. And he, he now says, well, take the 153 fish, which I gave you supernaturally. I want you to bring what you've got. And, I'm gonna, and down here, I, I'm going to add to that. I've got all my stuff as well. Um, and so, so there's a partnership that happens. So Jesus doesn't just go and do all of the stuff. He says, come with me, bring what you've got, and we'll do it together. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so God is calling us into partnership with him uh, through these things. Um, Okay, so, I don't know where I got to, I think it's about 10. Yeah, so Jesus said to them, uh, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard the boat, that is, and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Now, the reason I think that's, a significant, why, why has he mentioned the net not being torn? Well, I don't know if you remember previously, uh, if you go back again to Luke 5, where this happened the first time, and Jesus said, put, put out into deep water. Uh, this is the first time, the, the catch of fish I was referring to earlier. So he says, put out into deep water, and they caught so many fish, it says their nets began to tear. Okay, and again, I just think, I feel there's a, a little nugget of prophetic insight for us in this situation, in this passage. And I think what it is, is, is that um, the, uh, oh, come on, come on, come on, do this. Yes, so I think the tearing of the net the first time and the not tearing of the net the second time, I believe that's speaking of when, when you had all the, when we, I gave you all this in the first instance, the wineskin you had, wasn't able to cope with the blessing. And now what's happened is I'm going to bless you, but the wineskin is ready and it's not going to tear. And I feel that I actually, 
I actually felt this for someone who's not here at the moment, but I, I, feel I feel this is specifically for some of us, but also, again, for us as a church, that there are people here who will have, they'll, they'll have been like the blessing and something where God opened something up for you before and then it tore and it didn't work out. And, and sometimes, again, if you look at the desert experiences or the Emmaus Road experiences or the prison experiences, um, um, during those times, they're usually pretty rough. But we all look back on those times a bit smugly and say, it was during those times that I learned the most. Or at least maybe, uh, perhaps I should just say, I've done that. Um, and, I think, and I think there is an element of during the, those harder times, God teaches us other things. And we learn things that actually we might not have learned as easily another way. Well, I say easily, easy probably isn't the right word. But there are things that we wouldn't have necessarily learned another way. There is something about enduring and learning, trusting God in the hard times, isn't there? Um, and I, don't, I don't think any of us want hard times. And, and when you're in them, you'd probably think, well, I, I don't particularly want to learn this lesson. I'd rather just have it easy and not learn the lesson. Um, but God teaches through all that. So I, th- so I think in the, in, the, in the net being torn, I think for some of us here, there will have been some, some dreams that God will have breathed some life into. And it seemed like something was taking shape. And this is it. This is the word or the dream being fulfilled. And then, and then it's torn. And then you go through, and then time passes. And you think, well, was that it? Was that, was that the fulfillment? Was that... Was that that word, Lord? It doesn't, doesn't quite feel like it. it. feels like there's more. And yet I daren't hope. And then, I, and then the hope is killed. And then I'm on the Emmaus Road. Sorry, I'm mixing my scriptures. Um, and then I'm by the sea. And, and then suddenly God breathes some more life into it. And this time my net doesn't break because maybe I prepared my nets better this time. Because since last time God's been teaching me how to prepare my nets. I'm sort of mixing analogy with the stories. Is, it, is this making sense to you? Thank you. Good. Okay. Okay, so I think I'll finish with that scripture. Just, there was just one other thing I wanted to mention um, before finishing. And, uh, and that's this. As I said to you earlier about, um, about the account of Joseph, um, particularly when you're... I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this. I, I'm going to exaggerate a bit, but I've been in meetings where, you know, there's a big prophetic ministry, somebody up there who's getting, you know, very specific words for people, you know, calling out all the details of their life, and then a massive life-defining prophecy... And there you are sitting in the row, and they go down the row prophesying to that person, that person. They get to one person on one side of you, then they miss you out, go to the next person, and keep going. And as I said, I exaggerate, but, but, but I, I know people that sort of thing's happened to. It's in some degree, those sorts of things have happened to me. Um, and in those times, when, when we're in a season of, of, I believe, God opening things up, the challenge for us is 
What happens if my dreams are still seem to be on hold? What, what do I do when the person on the right of me has just declared a testimony about the blessing that I've wanted desperately for 25 years? How do I, how do I deal with that? What do I do? Um, and I think the biggest challenge in, in that situation is... Well, you might be different to me, but for me... In fact, you, you are different to me, aren't you? Uh, but I th- <laughs> Thank you, Martin. Um, but uh, I think the, the thing that might affect me is I might think, well, all these people are getting blessed and I'm not. What's wrong with me? So that might be the first thing. I think, well, what, what's wrong with me? I've heard people say... I, I, this probably wouldn't be my view, I hope. Um, but I, I've, heard, I've heard people say, you know, well... Maybe God's punishing me. Um, I don't believe that. Uh, I believe that's all totally dealt with uh, on the cross of Christ. But um, but there can be that thing. Why? What, what, what have I done wrong? What have I? Is have I missed it, God? Have I not done something you told me to? Have I done something you told me not to? Have I? Have I not been listening? Have I? You know. And there's. I, I can. I can quite easily go into those sorts of, you know, recriminations. And and I just think the battle in those times it goes back to point one really which is when it all looks bleak, it's the fire in, in, it burning in my bones and in my heart of his love for me, which is, is the thing that keeps me. And I'm not trying to suggest that's easy, but I don't know any other answer because he is he's our supply, isn't he? He is the focus of our affections and our attention. And, and I don't always know why you can get a row of ten people being prayed for for the same condition and six are healed and four aren't, or seven are and three aren't, or three are and four, seven aren't, or, or whatever. I, I, don't, I don't know why that is. And, and if you're one of the ones who, in those situations who isn't healed, then that's, that's really tough, isn't it? But, but it's, again, it's just remembering I've got some basic things in my life, which is one, God is good. Two, God loves me. And whatever else is going on around me, if it's all falling apart, I've got nothing else to hold on. There's nothing solid. I don't know where I am. I feel I'm in the middle of a storm. The one thing that holds me is I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And if I've got nothing else, I have that. And, and if I can celebrate in the blessing of somebody else, I feel it moves me up a level in a sense because we are a family and if I can say, I wanted a new job, but hey, God's given Leo one. I'm celebrating with her as if it's me because 1 Corinthians 14, one part suffers, all parts suffer. One part rejoices and you know it's great for all of us. We celebrate and if, if I can enter in to that and I, if I can... Weep with those who weep and celebrate with those who celebrate, even if I wanted the very thing. Because I, th- I think that it's, it's very easy when, if, if somebody else gets the blessing, again, I'm, I want to be careful about that, because if God gives somebody else something that he doesn't give me it, it might well be that that is his blessing to me, to not get it. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I need to be careful in my phrasing here. But if somebody's given something, a testimony, which is the very testimony I want, 
I need to guard my heart because it's so easy to get resentful towards God or the other person or myself. And resentment leads to bitterness and bitterness just leads to ug. And, and, I, and it's, it might well be a daily fight. You know, Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow, didn't he? Uh, today's got enough trouble of its own. I mean, it doesn't really sound like the sort of thing Jesus would say, does it? You know, uh, but he did, apparently. No, he did, sorry. Um, and so it, it, today's got enough worries. So sometimes... Um, <laughs> you've got something? Um, so sometimes... Sorry, Pete's sending me messages on the iPad. Um, so... so um, oh, I've totally lost my train of thought. Uh, yes, uh, Let's have ministry time, <laughs> which is what Pete was suggesting. Um, oh, where was I? Um, yes, about bitterness and uh, about resentment building up. When I, you weren't listening. Nobody could tell me what I was talking about. <laughs> um, so what was? Uh, yes, so so it's about resentment building up. And if I can can keep my heart right towards you, then I, I think that's really really important for us as a people. And and you know what? For some of us, we might not see the dream coming to life in quite the same way. And for, for those of us who that is, I want us to stand with one another through those things. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because he's not good. Um, he is good and he does love you. And, um, and we must, you ca- cannot compare yourself in that way. It doesn't work. You know, even in, you know, sometimes I've been in meetings and you've got people falling all over the place laughing and stuff like that. And I just don't feel like that at all. And it might be for several reasons. One, it might be God's doing something quite deep in me and I'm not feeling like laughing. Or it might just be that I was a bit bored and, you know, in a bit of a mood or something like that. But whatever it is, and I was once in a meeting where that was happening and someone said to me, look, get over there, get over there, then you'll get laughing, get over with those people. So I was like, oh, I don't really want to go. And in the end, I was persuaded. And I went over there, and it, I, came, I didn't laugh at all. And I came away just feel, or, or I might have tried to fake it. And, and I came away just thinking, that, I just, that was just dreadful. And, and we've, got to, we've got to just be who we are, haven't we? And, and it doesn't matter if 99 people in the room are falling around laughing, and you're standing there going, oh, I'm not feeling that. Well, don't feel it then. Please don't feel you have any pressure. To, to go through the same things that other people are feeling, whether, whatever it is, don't, please don't try and... The fact that some people are manifesting and shaking or falling over, it really does... I've seen... I've seen people who that hasn't happened to massively affected by God in a way that isn't so obvious for some of the people who are falling over. It doesn't mean anything, okay? It, well, it might mean. It might mean those people who are falling over, that's great that they're getting blessed, but it doesn't mean you're not because you're not falling over. I didn't really mean to talk about this, but anyway, while I'm, now I'm here. Um, so I think it's important. So in, in these times when, when there's lots of blessing coming, lots of dreams being fulfilled, it's important. If that's not happening for me, and I'm still walking the Emmaus road, then it's not that I need to get like those other people. It's still I'm going to walk through this. God is still faithful, and my brothers and sisters are going to stand with me. Um, I feel it would be good to have a response. I don't really know what to do, but shall we just pray? I think that would be good. And then I'll hand over to the front row uh, and they can come up with something. Um, can we just can we stand together, please? And I'll, I'll, I want to pray. Um, uh, 
Hey, do you want to grab a hand of the person next to you? Uh, feel free not to, if, especially if you're a visitor or you feel weird about it, please feel free to say I'd rather not. Uh, but let's, let's grab a hand. Father, um, we want to thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We want to thank you that you are our beloved and your desire is for each one of us. Lord, we thank you that that is what keeps us, Lord, uh, even when things are stormy. And, and Father, we, we just want to declare over ourselves, over our family, and over this church family, we declare in the heavenlies and here and on, on, in earthly places, we declare that this is the season, the open season for the fulfillment of dreams. We declare that this is the season of breakthrough and significant sprouting of ministry and of freedom coming in areas where there hasn't been freedom before. I speak life into business propositions um, which previously haven't taken off but are just about to take off, Lord, in Jesus' name. I put blessing on those right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. And we, Lord, we commit to stand with one another through all of this. Lord, for those whose dreams just start to burst open and those where it seems to be taking longer, Lord, we... We love you. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I just feel like God has been uh, highlighting some stuff that I feel like it would be really good to engage with. So just keep engaging with God as you're standing. And um, for me, some of my journey over the past couple of weeks has been looking at fear and that being something that can hinder me. And I feel like there's some people here today where fear is a big hurdle for you. Um, it might be fear of things going wrong again. It might be a fear of um, people's reactions to you. And um, But God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of love and a spirit of power and of self-control. Or a sound mind is another way, another interpretation of that and I just feel like this morning I I want to declare a breaking of fear a spirit of fear over you so what I want you to do is if you feel like that's you um I want you to speak out I do not have a spirit of fear (laughs) I do not have a spirit of fear I have a spirit of love a spirit of self-control a spirit of power that's your destiny that's your destiny. You do not have a spirit of fear. That's not your identity anymore. <laughs> yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just want to release your power now in the name of Jesus. Yeah, we just release your power to come and bring healing to those places and to fill those places that once held fear with love and with power and with self-control and a sound mind. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's what our inheritance is in you. Yeah, we just say more of you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yes, more of you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You do not have a spirit of fear. (laughs) you do not have a spirit of fear thank you Jesus that you live inside us 
and you give us power and you fill us with love. That's what it feels like in heaven. <laughs> That's heaven sound. It's that sound of love and that sound of joy. So just let the Holy Spirit minister to you just standing this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I've had a picture this morning since being at home um, about chrysalises. And I felt like there are a number of people here who have stayed in a chrysalis because that's what they've done as a, as a protective mechanism around some hurts, around some dreams that God has put in them. And uh, you can hear everything that's going on and you're thinking, yeah, that's great, that's great. But actually I know this is the safe place for me. And I want to stay here. And I felt like um, part of it was to do with actually sharing with some individuals or friends close to you saying, can you help me? Um, I just need to, to share where I am. And I felt like that part of it, we know what comes out of a chrysalis. But actually there's something about the flapping of wings as you start to share with others that starts to cause an effect that brings the atmosphere of heaven. So in this place, can I just ask, if that's you, I don't want to come up the front, I don't want you to feel embarrassed, we don't need to do that. Can I ask you to respond in your heart? We've got Jesus inside of us. I also feel like, actually, the next stage is to, is to grab someone either before you leave this morning or very soon just to say, can I talk to you? Because I feel like the flap, as what Adrian and Rachel have just been sharing, the flap is what's going to cause the igniting of, of the Holy Spirit within Oasis but also within Chelmsford and further afield. And I feel like some of the dreams are what's going to actually accelerate the movement and spirit of God here. So can I just pray? Father, I just pray now that where this picture of this chrysalis, so where we've allowed ourselves to put a protective wings around us to be broken off. Father, I pray that through your loving touch of a heavenly father that only knows how to love, you would just start to unwrap those chrysalises from people. Jesus. Mm. I'm going to ask Adrian to pray for some of us in a moment. Well, for all of us, but um, I just feel God wants to really repair broken dreams this morning. And... Uh, God gave us the dream in the first place and it's still, it's still God's dream. What's happened has happened but God's plan has never changed and he wants us to know that. And so we, we're almost ready to conclude but before we do, I want you to know God wants to, you to pick up your dream and he wants you to run with it. 
And he still wants to do what he's put in your heart to dream about. And he still wants to use you. And he still will use you. So I'm going to ask Adrian if he'll just pray. And if you've got broken dreams, oh yes, there's somebody, the, the phrase that, um, that Adrian shared with us when he said, Peter said, I'm going fishing. I just feel that for somebody this morning, you've said, I'm going to lose myself in work because that I can cope with. And uh, it, it helps the pain of everything. God says, that's not his plan for you. That's not his plan for you. His plan for you is what was in your heart in the first place, and he'll bring it to pass. Okay. Uh, well, you probably know about Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And, uh, and the Spirit of the Lord says to Ezekiel, um, Son of man, uh, can these dry bones live? And, uh, and he says, well, you alone, sovereign Lord, you know. And uh, if you know that, that passage, uh, the answer is yes, uh, they can live. And, and the answer that the Lord gives Ezekiel, he says, well, prophesy and prophesy to the breath, which is the spirit for the spirit of life to come in. So I just want to encourage you, let's just pray together now. And if you have dreams as Peter's described, um, I'd just like to encourage you, um, and it might... It might be like gritting your teeth to start with, but I, I want to encourage you to prophesy into that situation and speak life and truth. And if you can't do that because it's too hard, can you pray in tongues over it, all right? And, and let's just pray. So, Father, we thank you that you are the one who makes dry bones come to life. And we speak into dry and dead and decompose dreams in Jesus name and we prophesy life we prophesy the life of the spirit into things even that have been dead for a very long time we speak life into folks dreams here that they would spring up the things that looked completely beyond hope or beyond redemption Lord you're the God who redeems those who were beyond redemption and Lord even things that have been dead a long time so when the man was thrown into Elisha's tomb and he just touched the bones of Elisha he came to life uh, the dead man was come to life by things that have been dead for so long there's life Lord uh, when you declare it. and we just declare now over individuals and as a church Lord over this church family and over those who aren't here today but are part of this family and those who are listening uh, on recordings and stuff like that we declare life to your dreams in the name of Jesus we declare hope to be stirred and those seeds of hope to stir and to grow into faith and into life. Lord, we ask for uh, divine encounters and opening of doors um, for situations to open which have been closed for so long. When you place an open door before us, it's an open door that when it's shut, no one can open. When it's open, no one can shut. Lord, we, we, you say you put before us an open door. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.